Um, a very warm welcome to you, uh, to Emmanuel Church. I know we've got lots of family, lots of guests supporting people being baptised. And I wanted to really express to you uh, our, our welcome to you this morning. Uh, and we pray that you've really had a blessed time. I don't think hearing those stories, many hearts weren't melted when we heard these testimonies that no one can argue with. People can argue about so many philosophy and all that kind of stuff about religion, about Jesus, but you cannot argue with that personal testimony of a life transformed, of turned around. And it's so wonderful as a church community, as we join people uh, in celebrating their baptisms, as they go through this this process to identify their lives with a new leader. They are changing their allegiances and they're saying, I want to go in the way of Jesus. I want to go in God's direction, turn my life around and follow him because he loves me. Because I know he loves me and he cares for me. And it's fabulous when we do that. They are leaving their old lives behind. In the waters of baptism, their old life is dead. It's buried now in those waters. And they symbolically walk free from that, raised to life, raised to life with Jesus for a new life that he is bringing them into. They are now in Christ. And we as Christians live on earth here As his people, as little Christs, as Christians in the place that he has put us. And I'm going to read a a chapter, a a few lines from Philippians in a minute. But it talks about our citizenship is now in heaven. And our Philippians is one of my favourite books of the Bible. I know you shouldn't have favourites. We all know which favourites Alan has. And I would share that. (laughs) But in Philippians, Paul speaks that we are citizens of heaven. We may live here on earth, but our citizenship is actually in heaven. So let's read that scripture together. It's in Philippians uh, chapter 3. And Philippians is a small, a short letter written to the church in Philippi by Paul. It's in the New Testament. And if it helps, it's on page 1036. Only have the same version as me, and I'm reading NIV, and I don't think it's coming up, so. (laughs) Yeah. So, Philippians 3.18. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But, and don't we love having these big buts in the Bible, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that we may be like his glorious body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
So I want to explore this morning some of these changes of behaviour we have, some of the tensions we might have as we live here on earth, away from our heavenly home. We are citizens of heaven, but we're living here on earth. What are the tensions, what are the difficulties of doing that? We are in the world, but not of the world, because we have a different king, a different lord. We have changed our allegiance to serve King Jesus. And a way of introducing this issue, I'm going to start in a very small way by asking someone here who physically lives away from their home in, in this country here. What is, it, what is it like? How do you behave? How do you feel? So I'd like to welcome Obi up here, please. Come up, Obi. I want you to welcome Obi as he comes up. I've, um, I've got to know Obi um, over the last few months and his wonderful wife, IJ, and their f- lovely family. They are part of our MCOM together. Come, come, come. Um, Obi, was, um, Obi was born in Nigeria and has spent a number of years in the UK, recently returning with his wife and family, currently studying for a PhD whilst also working as a lawyer for an international utilities company. That sounds pretty impressive, that Obi. (laughs) But I've just asked Obi up to give us a sense of what what is it like to live away from home. We're away from home because heaven is our home. Citizens of heaven, we live here on earth. What is it like for a Nigerian living here in the UK? Obi. Okay. Uh, thank you, Ian. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, well, uh, for me, as a Nigerian living away from Nigeria, uh, some things that comes to mind is that uh, we actually have values that we hold on to when, wherever we go. Uh, so the first value that comes to mind is... Uh, um, has to do with historic family values. We have these strong traditions that has to do with family values, morality, ethics, worldview. So wherever we are, we always try to pass on this oral tradition uh, to the kids to remind ourselves of our identity, of where we're coming from, of what we believe of what is good and bad. So that's one of the first thing that comes to me, family values uh, that creates an identity that we esteem and protect. Then the second thing is uh, a sense of community. We have a very strong sense of community. Uh, where we come from, we belong to a lot of alumni groups, uh, people we went to the same secondary schools with, people we went to the same universities with. We still keep in touch. We keep in touch on social media, we keep in touch on WhatsApp. We have reunions. Uh, sometimes some of the reunions we have to travel back to Nigeria, no matter which part of the world we are in. So we have this strong sense of community to uh, keep in touch with people who we grew up with and uh, no matter where they are. Then the third thing that comes to mind is civic responsibility. We have a very strong sense of civic responsibility. We have a strong sense of contributing to the community that blessed us, that gave something to us. So even though we are here in the UK, we still send money back home. We are still part of projects back home. 
we're still part of trying to help people back home. We use our professional skills to organize capacity building, seminars, programs on Zoom. So it's very much uh, being away doesn't feel like being away. We're still very much in touch with contributing back to what happens there. Then briefly talking about experiences. Uh, you mentioned, mentioned food. Okay. <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> yes, you reminded me about food. Uh, food is also a very, very expressive part of uh, uh, our culture uh, because uh, our food uh, really has a lot of meaning uh, to us. We kind of, we can eat whatever sort of food we meet, but when we eat our own food, uh, it seems to have its own story and its own way of ministering to us, so to say. Uh, the part of Nigeria I come from, southeast Nigeria, uh, there is this food, this uh, tuba food called yam. It's like potato, like a young, long potato. The food is celebrated. It's like uh, the king of crops there. So when it is being eaten, uh, when it is fresh from harvest, uh, you have to give thanks to God. You have to celebrate the food before eating it. Uh, you don't just jump on it. <laughs> uh, so the, the, the kids get to learn that, respect that. And then talking about, uh, uh, talking about experience, uh, uh, coming over here, the first thing is culture shock. Uh, you have this culture shock and the aspect of culture shock I want to briefly touch on is that has to do with, uh, our sense of morality. For many of us from Nigeria, Morality is either black or white. But when we mix up with other nationalities, we find out that it could be black, it could be white, it could be gray. <laughs> and that gray is quite strange to us. Uh, so it's something we try to get to wrap our minds around. And then finally, uh, talking about uh, the being misunderstood. Uh, sometimes uh, Nigerians are misunderstood for being loud. Uh, sometimes it's like uh, you could find just two Nigerians conversing and they're high-pitched and they're really speaking. It's like they're very loud. And it's like, why are Nigerians very loud? I think if we understand where Nigerians are coming from, we're coming from a country where everything is loud. The, the, the streets are loud, the churches are loud, families are loud. And interestingly, even Nisho is loud in Nigeria. <laughs> Uh, you know, in Nigeria, you could walk into the rainforest, the crickets are loud, the animals are loud. <laughs> so it actually makes sense why uh, Nigerians could be loud. I'll stop here. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thanks, Ovi. Bless you. So that's what it can be like for someone living away from their home. How they go about doing things, keeping in touch, looking at the values and that sort of stuff. Amazing to hear. Um, and through the through the Bible... There is a strong theme of being away from home. Through the Old Testament, there were two great periods where people, the people of Israel, were away from home. Uh, we call them the, being in exile. Uh, the first one was exile in Egypt, where Joseph and his his family ended up kind of fleeing there for economic reasons to to get rid of out of a famine. But they then got enslaved for hundreds of years and then they were led out of this exile back into their home by Moses and escaping the Egyptians with these amazing plagues and crossing the Red Sea that they had to go through. And then later in, in Israel's history, the Babylonians came in and militarily overtook the country and carried them away into captivity. 70 years 
captive in exiles in Babylon, where they were a minority group with very few rights, threatened with pagan practices around them, but always longing to go back to their homeland. And they told them, told people stories about them wanting to go back. And eventually through Ezra and Nehemiah's mothers, they came back and rebuilt their, their city. Much of the prophetic literature during this time to the people of Israel was to repent, turn back to God. Don't trust in the things of the world. Trust only in God because he is a faithful God and you can trust in him. Don't put your trust in things around you. Don't go your own way. Rely on God. Otherwise, judgment will come. And it did for them. They were taken away into exile for that period. And then as we come into the New Testament, as we transition into the New Testament, there are parallels there about being away from home too. God, in his mercy, as we heard so powerfully this morning, has sent a rescuer. He has sent Jesus. One who can come and take our broken lives and put them back together. One who can give peace to people's hearts and minds that have been so troubled, indeed traumatized by what the world has done to them. He made a way for us where there was no way. And the message for the people of God to the rest of the world is still, repent, come back to God. You can't rely in the things of the world. You can't rely in your own strength. God is one that you can trust. You can come back to him. There is a way for you to come back to Jesus now. And that is the good news. That is the good news of the kingdom. There is a new life for you. It starts the moment you make that decision and goes on for eternity. It goes into heaven. It's a heavenly life that you can live. But you won't see the fullness, the fullness of that new life until you actually pass through death. Because we are longing to go home. We are exiles here in this world, waiting, waiting for what God is going to do, waiting for that new life to be revealed to us. We too are on a journey of faith, just as the ancients of old were. We will all have challenges of faith where you may have to fight in situations. And we stand this morning with those being baptised to encourage them as they face the battles in life, as they go through life together. And we can feel that separation, we can feel that tension um, where we are waiting for our heavenly home because we are away from home. It can be painful at times as we wrestle with that truth because we don't actually see it happening Every moment in our lives, we long for that. We yearn for that. And healing can often be one of those things. We can be assured of our healing as we enter heaven. 
you will be fully healed. And in this life, we see sometimes God bringing that future hope into the present. And we do see people healed. As Philippians said, he's transforming our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. And we look forward to a time where there'll be no more pain, no more suffering. And yet we are in this world now where we experience that. And God uses that often to develop strength within us. I recently heard a story of someone who had M.E. And she was bedridden for nine years. And in those nine years, living in a darkened room, body withered, wasting away, all through that time, she held on to God that he would heal her. Nine years. And then, through amazing steps of faith by her and her husband, she was gradually healed by God over a two-year period and is now restored to active health. And she frequently comes to our meetings here. And I'm sure we'll be hearing her testimony at a later stage. We are living in between the times. The kingdom of God has come, but it's still yet to come in all its fullness. We are living as exiles from our homeland. We are living as foreigners, as strangers, as citizens of heaven. As Peter writes in 1 Peter 2 verse 10, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. The two, the two verses I've, I've shared from Philippians and 1 Peter. Philippians says, set your mind on heaven and wait. Set your, these are the actions we've been called to. Set your mind on heaven and wait. And Peter's saying, abstain from sin. Live a good life. Easy, huh? Easy. Did you pick up on the parallels between what an expat Nigerian community does in the UK and how the church operates? Did you pick up any parallels as they were shared? We too gather together. We keep our alumni relations. We have Sunday mornings. We have our midweek times together. We share life together. We have our worship times together, which just lifts our chins heavenward. And for me this week, it's been a, it's been a difficult week. I've been tired. I haven't slept well. I've been tired. I felt weight. I felt pressure. 
went along to my MCOM on Wednesday evening and we just had one, just, just one worship song. And suddenly you just feel that weight lift. You feel the chin being raised up to God. As we are in community together, we are stronger individually and as a community. We uphold our values. We teach our values Sunday by Sunday in our small groups. We have um, more kind of specialist courses that might look at values like Alpha, uh, going deeper, um, freedom in Christ. We've got all our children and youth work going on at the moment where we're teaching values into our young people in how to live a good life. How do you do that? What does it mean? How does it look like it practically? We teach into those things. Food and drink, which was nearly forgotten. Food and drink. Sunday morning we arrive, we have a coffee together. After the meeting here, we have a coffee together. It's to help us connect. We're not addicted. Well, hello. Some people might be. (laughs) We're not addicted to coffee. But it's it's the opportunity to gather together, to build those relationships. We also come and have fellowship as we we practice the Lord's Supper, as we do communion, break bread together. And we can go deeper as we meet in people's homes for socials, for meals together. They bring us together. Food and drink is so important in bringing us together. And we contribute back to our community We are aware of others. There's a desire for discipleship. I will call it in a church setting where you're wanting to pass on the things that you've learned in God and teach them one to one to another so that people can grow and develop. And we have people within our church community, and this is what I, I, this melts my heart about church, is that there are people who will be ministering one to another equally in a church service or in a small group that would potentially never meet in society. And it's only through Jesus that's made them brother and sister, brother and brother, sister and sister together, that they will have that connection. And whatever your background, whatever your educational history, you come equal in Christ. And you can love and you can share and you can prophesy and you can pray and you can encourage. Wow, what a privilege. What a privilege as the citizens of heaven. Living on earth but knowing we are calling to going home. We're on our way home. But God has purposes here. At the same time, we too can feel misunderstood. Our standards, our biblical standards that we hold on to are not the same as the world's. There is a clash of kingdoms. The kingdom of God is clashing with the kingdom of the earth. And we are increasingly being challenged over those in such a fast-moving culture. Faithfulness in marriage. Sexuality, gender, the sanctity of life, to name but few. As citizens of heaven, we gather to teach 
worship, socialize, support and love each other so that we may may be able to keep our minds on heavenly things. Abstaining from sin and learning how to live a good life. Wow. Citizens together. (laughs) Power, Power to the people. The citizens of heaven as we're gathered together. But we have to give up, as people have demonstrated this morning, we have to give up our old life to enter into this new life. That's what we've been acting out. And there's a cost to that for many people. Many of us would have heard Eno speaking a few weeks ago. Eno's a friend of mine who is now based in Bulgaria and the teams we send to Bulgaria work alongside Eno. But his testimony was of a young a Turkish guy living in Switzerland. So because he was Turkish, he was Muslim. And he found Jesus at the age of 19. And he thought he'd share that with his mother. And she went ballistic. She called him an infidel. Her father had to intervene when the mother grabbed a knife from the kitchen to stab him and said to her, remember, you're in Switzerland. You can't do that here. Eno fled his family. Age 19. And has been going on with God since then. But there's been a cost. There's been a cost. And many of us have experienced some of that cost. Maybe not to that degree. Praise God. But many have experienced that cost. It's not something you do lightly. So you must think it's worth it. Jesus speaks to us in a parable in Matthew 13 where he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant finding a pearl of great value. He finds this pearl and he sells all he has to gain this pearl. That is like finding the kingdom of heaven. He goes all in. He holds nothing back. The pearl is Jesus, one of great worth. He loves you, Bethany. (laughs) He loves you. He gets you. He cherishes you. He holds nothing back and he is committed to you. That's Jesus. He's done that for you. Who wouldn't want to have someone like that in their life? Who wouldn't want to know someone that's so into them and for them? And is absolutely promised to be with you. Whatever happens to you, however stupid thing you do, Again, he's there. He's a faithful brother. He's promised not to leave you. He's promised to be with you, to love you, to comfort you through all the daft things that we might end up doing. He's holding your hand. He's alongside you. And what the world thinks is probably the the worst thing that could happen to you. The worst thing, death. 
That's the best thing. It's one that we've seen through a glass darkly. The one we've heard whispers about. The one that we have dreamt of. The one that we have worshipped. Death releases us into that place of being fully known and knowing him fully. Wow. Jesus. (laughs) Are you worshipping now? (laughs) Jesus. We thank you. You have a plan and you have a love for us that is beyond measure, beyond our understanding and is full of your glory. So full of your glory and your grace to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And friends, we become secure in Christ. The Lord of the universe has proven to be faithful to us. And we are in his hands. We are secure. We're held in him. We are accepted by him. Our sin and our shame have been dealt with at the cross. The price has been paid for us going our own way. The sin and shame has been paid for. We have now become accepted by God. And friends, we are significant. We are significant because God has seen us as significant. He hasn't overlooked you. He's called out to you. He's asked you to come. Come join my family. Come become a citizen of heaven. And we can take and respond to that. We may be living as exiles, but we are empowered by God to live that way. He has given us his Holy Spirit to be God on earth alongside us. And as we've been looking out of his last few weeks, in his extravagance, in his abundance, he gives us gifts. Gifts allowing us to live that life in all its fullness. And in the weeks ahead, we were looking at the fruit of the Spirit as well. As we mature in Christ, we produce this this fruit um, that's a glory to God. Life can be hard. We all have ups and downs, but don't for a minute think that God has left you. His love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on you. The people being baptised this morning, they think he's worth it. They have found the pearl of great price. And I certainly think so. And if you're here this morning, perhaps you're just on your journey of exploring. What does that all mean? You may have done an alpha course. May have been along just this last few weeks to more the uh, student uh, week that the, the Christian Union have been running in the city. You may have had your interest peaked as people have ex- been explaining something about Jesus, something about the Bible or science and Christianity, whatever it may have been. 
You're on a journey with God at the moment. This morning might be a chance for you to make a decision on that journey. For you to come to that place and think, actually, I think I found that pearl of great value. Gary this morning said he kind of he woke up one morning, he knows the time, the date, and suddenly he knew God. Maybe this morning, for some people here, it's your time to say, actually, yeah, I think I'm there. I think I'm going to make that decision. You won't have all the answers. You won't have all the answers. But many of us here will testify to that being the best thing we have ever done in our life. And I tell you something, it gets better. As you get to know Jesus more, as you have a greater history of what he, of his faithfulness, of his love, of his bounty, it only gets better. It gets better. And despite all the rubbish that goes on in life, we are secure. We are accepted. We are significant. I wonder if the band could just come up. I want to encourage you this morning to consider about taking that next step closer to God. The, the student mission uh, group, uh, week eight week was called More. I think that is well named. There is more for all of us. So this morning we've rejoiced with the people being baptised. We've seen that they've taken a step, maybe a few weeks ago, maybe some years ago, to become citizens of heaven. That we live on earth, but our citizenship is in heaven. We've seen we can draw parallels between an expat community of Nigerians who are living away from home in this place. There are parallels there between how we, we live away from home as well. Now, there are differences, of course. Because I'm pretty sure that OB is not going around saying to people, do you want to become Nigerian? (laughs) But as citizens of heaven, we can invite people. Do you want to become a citizen of heaven? Do you want to know Jesus? We have that opportunity. We live as exiles. There are tensions there. We see breakthrough, we don't see breakthrough. It can be hard at times. But friends, knowing Jesus is worth it. It's worth it. We have found the pearl of great value. And we want to go all in with him to live that life, to live that life in fullness. Let's stand and worship him together now.